Good evening and welcome to Fred and L Talk Shop. My name is Fred. No, you're not. Uh... Never. It never is. I try so hard. My name is L and I am Fred and this is Ham. Oh my gosh. See, he's so excited because tonight we are talking about sewing. I'm actually really excited that we're talking about sewing too because this is my jam. Uh, I am mostly going to be being quiet. <laughs> not true because you are also getting into sewing aren't you reluctantly to be honest yeah um, but I, mean, I i don't get the same joy from it that you do are we calling it joy i guess i get a joy out of it but not always um and but, but we've had this conversation before that where it comes to sort of like cooking i am a chef and you are a baker yep I am a dash of this, a dash of that, stir it round, throw that away, add another bit. Mm -hmm. um, whereas you are very much six ounces of that, three ounces of that, one tablespoonful of that. Two very of methodical. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually what I want to talk about tonight. So I normally call this my, my seamstress's manifesto because this is my rant about how in the cosplay community, sewing just, I don't know what it is. I sometimes feel like sewing doesn't get... Um, as uh, you armor smiths, you foam people get all the credit. You people show up at con, you're like, Oh my god, look at your armor, it's so amazing. And those of us who do sewing, we could like have spent months hand stitching and embroidering and doing all like uh, doing our own dye work. People are like, Nice dress, ah! and it just infuriates me sometimes. So on occasion, I have been known to go on a legit manifesto uh -huh. to defend my trade. Well, why, why do you think there is that difference in perception? I mean, I know being a phone smith, but also living with a seamstress, exactly how much work goes into a seamstress creation. I know why. Okay. Because you can buy a pair of jeans for $15. Do you know how hard it is to make a pair of jeans? Do you have, if I've you made, don't have a factory full of small Chinese people. I have made one pair of jeans just to say that I could. And it is not easy. But you can buy a pair for 15 bucks. You can buy a t-shirt for $3.99. Mm. The, the, the commodity of the textile industry just does the perception is like why would i pay a hundred bucks for you to make that for me when i could buy it for four dollars i'm like okay then go buy it like just go buy it right so i think that's part of the issue is just because it's so easy to get textiles like to just to buy clothing um whereas you can't just walk into a store and buy a full set of armor no no that makes sense i mean i'm you know like even when it is available on Halloween, it's of a remarkably awful quality. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's mass produced. And, mm. you know, mass produced clothing just does well. First, I mean, we could get into an entire tirade about the textile industry and the clothing manufacturing, but that's not what this is about today. But I do think it's because custom made clothing and couture clothing, it, it's a very complicated trade. Um, so yeah, people see armor and they're like, for the idiots out there, you just threw a word out that I'm sure there are some people that have heard, but don't really understand what it means. Uh, couture. Oh, couture. Like the whole art of, you know, in the, the fashion worlds where you see all these wild, crazy clothes that are made by, you know, uh, design houses. So like the Chanel's of the world and all of these, you know, these big, uh, couture houses, like that is a specific type of, you know, handmade clothing. So, um, and it's, it's very high end. That's why like a Chanel suit costs, you know, 10, $15,000. Like it costs a lot of money for those, those high end pieces to be made. So the people who are out there sewing and making cosplays, they, they could probably be employed by some of the, you know, the big design houses because they're doing that quality of work. Like the, um, the live action of 101 Dalmatians. Like Cruella Deville, is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, just like Cruella uh, Deville. That's, oh, that's the best. Uh, yes, cosplay seamstresses are exactly like Cruella Deville. We're also all just a tiny little bit angry down <laughs> in our hearts, right? Probably because you know you're not going to get the recognition that you deserve for what you do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, you know, 
yes, I think that that's one reason. I also think that, um, you know, we, we live in this world where it's completely okay to do like, you know, 10 foot cosplays where it's like, it looks really good from far away. Like armor looks impressive, even if it's not really, really well done from far away. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you get up real close. You can either, you know, start to see improvements or you'll start to see where it's, it's not the best quality. Um, sometimes you don't see the quality of good seamstress work or sewing until you get up real close on it because from far away, it's maybe just a dress. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one issue. Um, I go ahead. I also think there's a double standard where it comes to, um, again, seamstress versus armor work. Nobody's ever asked me to take off my armor so they could see inside it. No one's ever asked you to flip your seams. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the time, the inside of a foam build is awful. Right. It's bits of foam clay shoved into corners to hold it together. It's other bits of foam stuck along strips to actually make it structurally sound or help it hide yep. or hold its shape. It's bodged strapping that's hidden underneath other bits of armor that you, you don't ever get to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody has ever asked me to remove a single piece of armor. Yeah, I want to look at the it. inside of your armor. Now, you are the lunatic that did do an entire undersuit for an armor build. So, oh, Well, yes, because nobody else had ever done it. I, I also, maybe that is maybe a little bit of my technique rubbed off on you where you realize that I was like so focused on making sure that the inside of my costumes also were finished, like doing French seams where you kind of like fold them over and then encase them. Yeah, but I've also seen you doing um, the, the, what's the big fluffy underskirt things? Uh, the, like crinoline skirts, sure. petticoats. No, pet, those are things. Yeah. And those are just as well sewn, finished, constructed as the rest of the outfit, but you never see it. You never see them. Unless, but you I, know that if it's not done right, because it doesn't sit right. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. <clears throat> and I think that's another reason why kind of maybe sewing is a little bit underrated, is bad sewing kind of passes the quick test. Like it's, you know, you how, how do I say this? You, you know good sewing because it, it doesn't show any flaws. That's what I'm trying to say. Like this shirt is made well because I don't see anything wrong with it. It just looks right, right? Uh -huh. So it is, it is almost unremarkable when it's done well. It is not worthy of remark when sewing is done well because it just looks right, right? Okay. Okay. But if you sew like a seam wrong and it's uneven, you're going to see it. It's very obvious. So when sewing is done bad, you notice it. When sewing is done impeccably flawlessly it just looks normal it just looks normal it okay. just like whereas when like you're you phone smiths in a lot of ways are using materials that have never been used like this before y'all started off taking you know floor mats from garages and turning into armor mind-blowing well, the original armor builds were all war blow because it was all the whole world of warcraft right. and before that it was corrugated cardboard like it's like you were mm. using materials that were not typically used for this purpose. So it was kind of mind blowing. We have been turning fabric into clothes for centuries. Since we decided we got cold. Right, right. Since the moment we figure out that we could take the stuff off of a sheep <laughs> <laughs> and do stuff with it and turn it into, you know, clothing, um, you like, it's just been around for such a long time right. that maybe we've come just like, well, it's, it's not a big deal. So, you know, Maybe that's another part of it too. Um, well, I do think you're right though that, that there's that perception that how can it be that special when I can buy something that looks like it for twenty bucks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even some of the uh, twenty years ago, the store bought costumes um, were party city quality and were not great. Whereas, no offense to Party City guys, but come on. You get what you pay for right, at the end right. of the day. Um, it is the mass market equivalent, mm -hmm. right? But now there are store-bought costumes that you can buy that are actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, I mean, certainly they're not as good as the stuff that. Yeah, no, they're definitely getting better because there's more of a market for it. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I do think that even, you know, the mass-produced stuff that's getting better, like, I mean, we went to... But that doesn't help the perception of, yeah. of value when even people inside the cosplay community mm -hmm. can see people wearing store-bought stuff that costs them $100 rather than right. $20 or $30. Uh, 
uh, but it's still way cheaper than having it commissioned. Right. And from a distance, mm -hmm. you might put them side by side and go, they're the same. And they're not. No. And I mean, I love the fact that there are um, ready to wear costumes that are looking better because, you know, not everyone has the time or inclination or tools or whatever to do sewing. So I am delighted that those exist for people that this is just not their jam. Mm. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, at the same time for me, I, I do think that um, I think there's more of a market for it. Yep. There's so, so great. So that's going to keep happening. Um, the reason I keep sewing for cosplay is one, I just really like doing it. Like, I just enjoy the process. For me, sewing is like doing a Sudoku puzzle, but you end up with a pretty dress at the end. Um, and also, we tend to take on projects where you ain't going to buy a store-bought version of it anywhere. Well, and I think that's actually why I encourage so many people that love cosplay to, to try their hand at sewing, even if they know they're never going to be a master sewist. Or what do we call them? Textilians. That was one textilians. of them. Textil we're textilians. Um, because it does, it kind of like puts the polish on a cosplay, you know, you know, handmade tends to just look better than what is bought in a store. As long as you're good at it. Um, yeah. Eh. You, I'm sorry. You cannot convince me that sewing is easy. It's, I mean, all right. It's not, it's quite technical. Um, you have to learn another language. That's true. All right. Um, because having had you take me through all the patterns and teach me when I was making the bodysuit, mm -hmm. I learned I, I learned about all kinds of stuff that just don't occur to you. And yeah. If, when you're moving, particularly if you're a foam smith, if I want bits of foam, I can fit them any way I want to use the maximum amount of space right. to fit those pieces on. And it doesn't matter where I cut it. That's true. Whereas when you open a pattern and it looks at it, it tells you how to fold the fabric, yes. where each piece goes onto it, and it looks like there's going to be a lot of waste. And there, there is. is. Yep. But, but, but that's done because it has to be cut in a particular way in the fabric line or... The, the weft and the weave. The weft and the weave. The grain line. In a particular direction. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. If, I had, if you had not explained that to me and I had tried to make it, I would have done exactly the same thing that I would have right. with foam. I would have tried to fit as much of it onto one piece as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And it would probably have looked like a piece of clothing, but it wouldn't have sat right. That is possible. That is true. That is true. It, 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 yeah, I mean, sewing is definitely a language unto itself. And there is, you know, one of the things I had to learn the hard way is you have to pay attention to every word in the in the instructions for a pattern. Yeah. But um, to give you a little bit of a background that applies to this kind of where I come from in the world of sewing is my grandmother was a tailor. My mother made costumes. So I grew up in a household where so like there was always a sewing machine in the house and they were actively being used. Now what I found interesting is that my grandmother was a tailor. She had to do impeccable work she you know she took things in she took them out my mom never followed the instructions for any pattern she ever got if it said to press it she's like i don't have to do that if it said to put in a basting stitch she never did that she never put in buttons she never put in snaps everything was velcroed um so she just like took shortcuts all the time and her costumes never lasted longer than Halloween night. Like they fell apart while we were wearing them, mm. but it was just two completely different schools of thought on how to make a, a costume. So I kind of came in the middle where I, well, no, that's not true. I, I have never seen you hot glue <laughs> anything together in a costume. Okay. That's true. Um, I have seen you tear bits apart and completely redo them because you were unhappy with the way that they looked. Uh, seam ripping is part of the process. That's step number three in the manifesto. Though <laughs> uh, somebody in the chat did ask a question, if I've ever time-lapsed my sewing, uh, no, and here's why. Um, there's a few reasons. One, um, part of my sewing process is just staring at the wall thinking, and that is not exciting to watch. <laughs> if I want to time-lapse, it would be okay. There would be a lot of... That would all be just me moving my head for about an hour and a half. 
Um, two, when I sew, I take over the entire space. So I'm running between my ironing board, my sewing machine. I'm on the floor cutting so stuff take, out. So set up a camera so it's wider back to watch over the entire area. It would kind of look like monkeys in a zoo. Just like me just running around all over the place. Uh, so I don't know if it makes for good TV. Um, and and the last reason is, is because I look like a sea witch hag garden gnome when I am sewing. It's not pretty. I I look I look bad and I just wouldn't do that to anyone. So um typically no I've never Okay, done so we're gonna that. make that happen. No, no Yeah it's gonna be so ugly. And I volunteer for to set up a camera in my workshop so they can uh, watch me working from But I mean you work in chaos, but it's yeah. I mean look at I mean you changed your shirt for this. I had to put spackle on my face so that I didn't look like a hobo's right foot. Like, <laughs> I don't look pretty when I'm working. I tried a Twitch stream like three years ago and it took me like an hour to get ready for it. And then like 10 minutes to actually work on the project. I'm like, this is exhausting. <laughs> don't want to do this. So well, I mean, uh, yeah. if it was a full out angle, okay. And it was Nobody wants to see me crawling around on the floor, trying to lay out fabric. Yeah, they do. Patterns. They just said that they do. Is there a kink for everything I can? Uh, <laughs> <coughs> Sweaty middle-aged woman sews. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The org. Oh. <laughs> oh. So gross. Watch me rip no. my seams Stop on 0890. <laughs> I can't. Okay. Change the subject, please. Somebody ask another question. Uh. Terrible. I, something that I remember that you said is like a, a core tenant that you follow with normal, which is that you iron twice as much as you sew. Okay, I've heard you do it. I kind of understand why it's important. Why is it important? I do. I believe that you should always be at your um, ironing board way more than your sewing machine uh, because your iron is, one, it's just doing a lot of the work for you in advance so that by the time you sit at the machine, the piece is ready to go. But um, I also been doing this for like over 25 years. I can't believe that I just learned this. But when you sew two pieces of fabric together, you're basically you're adding another thread in there, right? So right. actually two threads in there from the bobbin and from the, the thread at the top. So you're adding the, that thread, those threads into existing uh, fabrics. When you steam them and press them open, you're actually steaming those threads into the existing fibers of those pieces of fabric so you're actually making a stronger stitch okay so if you don't steam them into the fabric it's not as it's not as strong so just from a um an engineering perspective uh steaming or or pressing the fabric is is helpful uh the second reason i use my iron far more than anything else is like let's say i'm getting ready to do a hem like if i, I can sit there and fold it over and pin it and it'll kind of be like you know bunched up but if i just sit there at my ironing board and fold it over and then press it it's 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 going to solidify that 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 fold in place so that by the time i sit at the machine all i have to do is buzz through it okay. so it's just it's holding it um it's holding it in place without the need for pins or clips or any of that stuff but really uh, it, it my biggest thing that i learned is that it just makes for a much stronger seam because it it's it's uh kind of not melting that's not the right word melding it's melding it's melding those fibers together two fibers becoming one two three fibers becoming five namaste <laughs> um. that's right that's right so yeah um and I, one of my recommendations if you're going to put together your little toolkit is uh get a good iron um, ideally one that doesn't have an automatic shutoff those are hard to find these days because they're kind of a little bit of a safety risk well, it's because some idiot kept burning themselves with the iron, even though it's or, fed with instructions. Or burn their house down because they left it on. Microscopic felting. Is that what it's called, Bethany? I've never known. Is that is that is that what it is? Bethany in the chat just said microscopic felting, and I'm wondering if that's what it's called. That sounds dirty. I you're you're on a kick though. Like you're you're starting <laughs> you're starting a channel that no one is going to be a part of. Okay, it's not going to happen. Get a microscope on my belt. Yeah. I cannot put a rating on this podcast. I just can't. I refuse. I'm to not do saying it. any rude words. 
no, weirdly you're not, but God, does it sound rude. It really does. So yeah. So if you can, anyway, if you can find an iron that has um, no automatic cutoff switch, uh, that is, that's, that's really good to have because like I, it takes me a long time to sew. So I just like to have my ironing board set up and not having to turn it back on all the time. Okay. What do you consider to be a reasonable price point for a good iron? Because you can pick up a pretty good iron for what, 40 or 50 bucks? I don't know, but I spent like $125 on my iron. Mm. Do you want to grab my iron for me? I actually have two now because I just bought a new one. <laughs> not that I know that I needed it. But um, now, oh, I also think it's really fair to point out that there is a lot of talk about the cost of, of cosplay. And, you know, there are a lot of really expensive tools out there that you can buy. Just this is not like I didn't go out overnight and buy all this stuff. I've been accumulating it over time. Uh, and also, you know, we've been very fortunate to have one that's my baby hello Rowenta. um take care of your baby uh we've been very fortunate to have won some cosplay contests which have cash prizes we typically invest a lot of that money right back into tools to our work so last time we won i say hi her name is Rowenta. she's very pretty um she does a nice blast of steam this little point here is real important so that you can get into the corners right there because also it's really important to like open open your corners um a couple of other tools that i love are my clapper and my ham so this is my ham i'm i'm overwhelmed with things here so a ham for those of you listening is basically just a it looks like a ham it's a you know it's a very heavy hammy looking thing and what you use is you use it to open up um like rounded bits of fabric like so like a sleeve or like a corner of the arm so you put it on here and then you press on top of it uh so you can get into those kind of rounded areas and i can't again i can't believe i'm as old as i am and i had never used a clapper but you basically use this this sucks the heat out of the seams so that they they set better so when I go over the fabric with my iron, I immediately drop this on there and it just kind of pulls the heat out. And again, it makes for a, a stronger, uh, cleaner seam. So one of these days I am going to open up um, a restaurant called Clapper and Ham and it's going to have, I don't know, sewing stuff. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, so ironing is so important to, to the process. Yeah. What else? You're the, one to, you're the one with the manifesto. You're the one that's supposed to be interviewing me. Can you can you tell who does all of the work around here? Like all of the heavy lifting. It's always the seamstress. I'm just saying. Um, okay, here here are my little manifesto pieces. So one, um, sewing is like learning a new language. Um, you're not going to understand every word. I remember when I opened up my first pattern and like one of the steps was based, period, press period two words took a long long time to do but if i missed one of those words it wasn't going to turn out right so that's really important um and basting is not pouring gravy over it no i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't it's a bad idea um don't be afraid to cut your fabric <laughs> This is a really hard one for me. You still suffer with that. Because unlike the foam smiths over here that can just go buy more foam, mm. if you cut your $50 a yard piece of sequined, perfectly matched color and you mess it up, if you can't order any more, you're kind of out of luck. Mm. So it can be a little bit scary. Um, but my rule there is always buy more fabric than you think you need so that if you do make a mistake, um, you have something to fall back on. Well, there's, an, there's also another very old rule, which applies to all form of crafting, which is um, measure twice, cut once. That's rule number seven. Is it? Yes, it is. Me measure thrice. Oh. Thrice, <laughs> I say. Oh, yeah. Thrice. Very, very important in the seems as So from a tips and tricks, I don't know. Um, Fred always knows when things are getting serious around here, when I put my measuring tape around my neck and then snap my pincushion snap bracelet onto my arm. So that is when things are gonna get real, but it comes back to the measure thrice cut once. So I'm always measuring here. I 
use my little ruler here. And then I have one on my table. So you're just constantly measuring everything to make sure that, uh, that you're not making a mistake. Um, and um, one of the questions in the chat is, where am I finding my fabric? <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. Um, the one place where we have to go to a lot that we really don't want to. I'm not going to mention their name, but there is only a couple places in town where you can get fabric. And like all things in the world, it just seems like it's getting so much more expensive, which is so frustrating. Um, so what I've done is um, I've actually started a little swatch book. So when I um, buy a particular type of fabric, I keep a sample. I know exactly if, how much polyester, spandex, whatever, what it's called. Is it, you know, is it, a, is it a tweed? Is it a flannel? Like whatever it is. So that I can actually do a little bit more online fabric ordering. Um, personally, you don't, you, you don't like buying online. Though. I Do you know why? Because you can't do, you can't touch it. Like I, I could probably shop for fabric blind just because it's so much about the feel of it and the weight of it and well, how it I've, folds. I've seen you unwrapping like mm -hmm. two or three yards of a roll and like bouncing it in your hands, like, stretching yeah. at it, peering at it through lights, rubbing it in different places. I do think there's one website. No, that's one thing I don't have to deal with because like, you know, it's just foam. Foam's foam. But well, I mean, there's densities, but that's mm. for another episode. Um, I do, um, there's a place called, is it Online Fabric Direct, I think. And what I, I'll find the, the, the link and put it in the chat. But what I love about it is um, they have videos of people actually manipulating the fabric. So like they have video, like you can go on and say, okay, this is a particular one. All right, that's an interesting one. There's a picture of somebody crumpling the fabric and opening it up again and folding it and shaking it. And I'm like, okay. That's kind of what I need to know. Like, I need to know how heavy it is. Then that, that, for that to have happened, for that to be a thing on their website, that must mean, I mean, and there are obviously people that sew in the chat, mm -hmm. that that is a common thing amongst sewers. Oh, for sure. That they all want to get their, yeah. their poles on it first. So one other thing, hold on, one other thing. No, it's Fabric Wholesale Direct because I actually, this is another thing that you can do for Fabric Wholesale Direct is for like $1.50, if you're buying fabric already and having it shipped to your house, I usually get like two or three of these little swatches to go into my swatch book and I can get a feel for it. So this is a 70% polyester, 30% viscose. It's called uh, Lino Italiano. So it's supposed to be like a type of linen. So I've got my little thing and I can scrunch it up and see how it bounces back. I can kind of do like a, a finger fold and see how well it keeps the fold. So these are nice to just kind of accumulate okay. over time. But I will tell you, like when I do go to a fabric store and I buy them, I also now take a swatch out and I write it down in my swatch book what it is so that I can go back and find them. Um, mostly so that I can buy fabric online. Mm -hmm. Typically, if I can match up like the composition percentiles, with, you know, a jet, like the weight, uh, like, is it grams per square meter GSM? I think is how it's measured. Because that gives you an idea of how heavy. Foam. This, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm going to convince anybody to become a sewer at the end of this. But, um, but I hope that they do because it's so much fun. Like, it's it really is a puzzle. I believe, truly, that the best costumes are hybrids that actually have multiple different medias attached in them. They're mm -hmm. more interesting to look at, they're more interesting to stand by, they're more interesting to photograph. <coughs> I am extraordinarily fortunate in the fact that I have a seamstress department in Vrednell Designs, okay? So all of the fabric parts that go with my phone bills are of the highest quality. But there have been times when you've been very, very busy with what you were doing, mm -hmm where I have had to start learning to do it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been a slow process, and I do not like doing it because it is so ordered. Um, yeah, Fred's creative process is like Frankenstein creating a monster, but Dr. Frankenstein is also drunk. <laughs> now, Fred doesn't drink, but he acts like a crazy person. There's like literally like stuff flying up in the air. I, I start at one end of my... When I start a new project, I actually clean everything up. Um, but then I start on the floor, usually... 
and then the floor just fills with garbage around yeah. me. And then I'll stand up, kind of kick it into one corner mm-hmm. and shift three feet to the left. And then when I'm almost at the door, I'll stop. Yeah. Because normally my next stage is to try and take over Elle's table and that never goes well. He has like a virus in his house. <laughs> I know we're getting close to a con crunch where he has taken over his entire workshop, the kitchen, my workshop, the back porch, and our bedroom. When there was Wraith Guard stuff in my bed, I was like, that's it. We're done. We're done. This has got to go. We are in an 1,100 square foot apartment. You cannot put an 11 foot right guard in it. And then he put a 10 foot tall at work. Uh, so that lesson did not go over well. Um, uh, but, I, but getting back to the point, I am learning how to sew because I believe that it's a necessary part of the craft. I believe it's a skill that you should at least learn the rudimentary basics of it. Well, and I mean, at this point, I don't even, like, I, I know this has been a little bit of a, oh, it's so hard. It's also really a gratifying experience when you make something True. at the end. Like when you made that bodysuit for your Inquisitor. 90% of it. Yeah, I mean, but I was here to kind of help and provide guidance, but you were at the machine. You cut out the pattern. I did. You you put it through the machine. You did the you did the heavy lifting yeah, on I mean, that. Yeah, the only thing that I couldn't do myself was I couldn't put the zip in mm-hmm. and I couldn't attach the collar. It just didn't seem to want to attach right. But I think you could have. Like, I think that if you had, you know, if I wasn't here, I really think that, and you had the luxury of time, which unfortunately we didn't for that. Mm. I, I think you could have figured it out. And that's also the other little bit of, of advice that I have for you is that that errors and mistakes do make you better at this and almost any process. You can't get good until you know what's not going to work. So, and you can't hear it from someone else. Like, I can't tell you it's like, oh, when you put in the zipper, don't put it in like that. You'd be like, okay, it doesn't, it isn't real until you attempt to do it. And then you see and experience why it doesn't work. So just, you know, try it. This is the advice we give to new cosplayers all the time. Make something, just do it. And then it, it, and if it sucks, great. It's supposed to suck and then learn from it and do it again. And it will suck less. And the, the most important part of that is to make the same thing mm-hmm. again. Repeat the action. Remake exactly the same yeah. piece a second, maybe even a third time. And then put them on a table, one in by the side of each other. One, two, three, and go, okay. And you will see noticeable improvements in yeah. what you do uh, at each stage. I had a revelation once when I was sewing and I got so frustrated because I put in like a whole seam and then I realized I had done it wrong. Mm. So I had to sit down with my seam ripper and I had to pull them out. And the whole time I was crying, I was so frustrated and so angry with myself because I, 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 I did it wrong. And then it was like a light went off in my head. I was like, you know what? There are so many weird steps and patterns. And this was years ago when I was really still stri- struggling to understand how patterns work because you would like, they would tell you to in step three, you know, baste this or put like an understitching in here. And you're like, okay, I have no idea why, but five steps later, it reveals itself as to, Oh, I am. Okay. I see it now. I had to put this stitch in so that it was there when I did this bit. And when I had this revelation, if I just, if I just considered the seam rip to be step 12, (laughs) all right, put the seam in. All right, next, rip out that entire seam. You're like, oh, okay. But it became my mantra is seam ripping is part of the process. Like you're going to make a mistake. And if you just look at it and say, okay, I just, I rip out the seam now. And then I press it and then I just put it back together and I go from there. So if you just consider it to be part of the process, it is what it is. Um, so Bethany had a question in the chat. Are you a draper or a drafter? I'm definitely a drafter. And this for me comes back to thinking like a baker or a chef in a lot of ways. Now it could also be because, uh, drapers to me are like magicians. So funny enough, like earlier today, I draped a dress. Draping. I did. It was an accident. I don't know how that happened. Um, but you do that with Heather a lot. I do, Yeah, we do. We do a lot of draping, but, um, the process of draping for for sewing has always been just so extraordinary to me because it seems very much like art 
in process. Like you're seeing the dress come together in real time. Whereas I am really methodical. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm far more like a baker. Like I measure things, you know, to the eighth of a tablespoon. Like Fred said, he's throwing things in. He's really more of a chef. Uh, for me, it's very much like science of, of sewing. So for me, drafting the pattern just makes more sense to my brain. Like I, it, it, because it comes down to math and geometry. So that's why I am personally a drafter, not a draper, but, um, Maybe one day I'll challenge myself and, and try it, but that day is not today. Um, so, so yeah, I, making mistakes. Inevitably, when I sit down to my sewing machine to start a project, within the first 30 minutes, I F something up. I can normally tell when that happens, no matter where I am in the apartment. Is it is it because I say bad words very loudly? It is, yes. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> and then um, I sit on the couch and seam rip for about, 30 minutes uh, with along with an accompaniment and a chorus of more bad language mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's part of the process so it's fine um so also i think we should be teaching young people sewing like raise your virtual hand if you took a home at class where you had to make like a pair of shorts or a tote bag as part of the process and you learn three seconds of of sewing but i don't know that we do it justice because uh, sewing also teaches uh, math and science skills. It it teaches structural engineering. It teaches geometry. Um, I believe it teaches you chaos theory in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, it doesn't always make sense why your outfit works, but here we are. Um, I mean, I can tell you exactly how much three-eighths of an inch is. I know what five-eighths of an inch is. I, I know my measurements. My favorite thing to teach people is that if you want to measure a yard, hold the fabric from the tip of your nose to the end of your finger. That is approximately a yard. That's how I measure my fabric. Tip of your finger, hold the fabric here, extend your arm out. It's about three feet or a yard. I mean, that was great during COVID. I was telling everybody at work. It's like two yards away from each other. Just tip your finger to the end of your nose. Everybody stay away. So you pick up these like neat little skills that you can take into life. And I will tell you, if you can follow a pattern and create a, a garment, there are problems out there in the world that you are definitely qualified, definitely qualified to solve. Well, when I've also seen you, um, you don't just sew for cosplay. I've seen you want to put together a particular outfit and not being able to find what you want or looking at what you want and going, mm, I am not paying that for that. Mm -hmm. And diving into your fabric pile. And by the time Monday rolls around, you've made a cool long white shirt with double cuffs and I a giant collar. So um, yeah. yeah, I wanted a shirt with a big <coughs> collar on it. And I'm like, how hard is it to make shirt? And then this goes back to the whole, I can buy a shirt for $25. How hard could it be to make? It was complicated. It was... <laughs> It's very yeah, but that shirt, the only one you could find was $110. That's right. exactly the one you wanted. And I love that shirt so much. Yeah, actually, a lot of the clothes that I wear, I, I do make myself. And it is such a sense of accomplishment that for somebody who is as practical as I am, I, I, I love to be creative, but also with a functional thing at the end of it. I mean, I also um, believe that once you can construct clothing, you can also alter it. So that was a big step for me because alterations are scary. But you no, know, funny enough, I taught you how to do through some of those from having, mm -hmm. from my knowledge of having my kit tailored to me when I was in the military. That's right. Um, and I know that you've said that you've gotten since then you've altered a few of your own clothing, the, the, the stuff that you bought off the rack that didn't fit quite right. Correct. Because of your shape, because yep. all people are different shapes and sizes. They go to a particular like template. I got a weird shape. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. big hips, narrow waist. That's right. Buy a pair of jeans. What you have is a loose waist. That's yeah. right. That's right. Whereas if you know the skill, mm -hmm. you know where to put in and drop in a couple of darts to yeah. change the tape of it so that it actually fits you snugly. Yeah. Right. No, I mean darts. Darts. Oh, look at you knowing phrases and stuff. I'm so proud of you. You have picked up a thing or two, which is really funny because I've actually gone out of my way to not pick up anything about phone work. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like actively worked hard to make sure he's like, you want to learn how to do this? I'm like, I do not. 
I have no desire to learn what you do because it's much easier for me to go, hey, honey, would you do that for me? Um, so why am I allowed to do all that? Oh, I, I don't, I don't. Anyway, changing the subject, <laughs> uh, I will tell you, it's it's taken me a, a really long time. My mantra for the longest time is I'd actually make it rather make it from scratch than to um, do any adjustments or, mm. or tailoring. Because for me, it was just easier to like, because I didn't understand how these things were put together. The more things I've put together, the more I understand their construction and can now deconstruct them. So I, I can kind of dabble at it. But I think that most um, experienced sewers will say, please don't ask me to hem your pants. <laughs> <laughs> please don't ask me to hem your pants. Um, though I love most of you guys. I probably would do that. Um, so I do, I want to make sure t tonight I give just kind of my, my shopping list for you and my final little bits of advice, um, when it comes to your cosplays, one is so for du durability and like, it's a real outfit, like don't cut your corners and don't skip the steps like my mom used to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you should use interfacing when it says to use interfacing because that gives it strength and stability. Um, if it tells you to put in a stay stitch, which is a line of stitches that will help it stay later, stitch it or else it'll be all swishy and not structurally sound. Um, yes, you need to finish your seams in some way or another. Yes, you need to line it, face it, back it, edge it, whatever they say to do, you need to do those things so that all of your hard work is not for naught. Like you don't wanna do all that and have it physically fall apart on your body. You want to make sure that it it lasts and it looks right but, but the fact that you do that is the reason that we have seven eight-year-old cosplays that have mm -hmm. been worn 20 30 times through entire conventions survived dragon cons that have been laundered in normal washing machines oh yeah and then tumble dried yep. and then shoved onto hangers and forgotten for a year and then pulled out and had an iron run over them and they're just as good as the day that you made them because they're made for durability yeah and I mean, it's, I mean, we've all been in that situation where, you know, the cosplay that you've made is now out on the con floor and it's not surviving contact with the enemy, mm -hmm. right? It's not making it through. You're starting to feel things pull or the, the, you know, your seams aren't as strong as you thought they were and they start to pull apart. It's devastating. Like you don't want mm -hmm. that to happen. And I, I know it takes longer, but you know, it also takes a really long time fixing stuff or making it again. Just just make it right the first time. And if you don't know what a step is, ask the internet. It will tell you. You will find a YouTube video of a sweet little 90-year-old lady making something on her sewing machine, and she is a wealth of knowledge. Mm. Watch her videos. Because <laughs> her granddaughter set her up with a camera, and she's got nothing better to do. And it is precious. Okay, so... I have a list of things that I just need to get off of my chest so that, that if you want to get into this, these are the core things that you need to have. Okay. Not the first person to say this. You need a sharp pair of fabric-only scissors. I usually write the word fabric-only on them. These are my only pair of fully black scissors that Fred bought for me, so these are very, very clear. I don't know what you're holding. He can't see them. They're quantum lock from his existence. He is not able to see fabric only scissors. Um, what I used to do was write the word fabric only on my scissors. These have now since been retired. They are now the sharp non-fabric scissors for cutting everything else. You should never use your fabric scissors to cut pa paper. Whew. I can't even say that out loud. Or foam. Whew. Don't you dare. People get very angry when you use, use their sewing scissors to cut. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So always have your fabric, your non-fabric. And then I like to keep a really small pair next to my sewing machine at all time. These are to cut your little threads off. Because the other thing, if you're making it kind of like pro level, you want. Okay. And then he's going to show me my dress. Oh. I do have a few more pairs. Hold on. Okay. And then I've got I've got this pair here. And okay, I look, I'm Ashley Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you tell what Fred buys me for all of the holidays? <laughs> so these are this is my scissor collection. Um 
And now that I say that out loud, okay, so you have your sharp fabric scissors, your sharp non-fabric scissors, you have your little ones to snip all of the tiny little threads as you go. Um, I love a pair of pinking shears. These are really good to, to finish your edges on woven fabric um, that would otherwise fray and you may not have time or inclination for whatever reason to fully finish them. Um, fun fact, when you use pinking shears on a woven piece of fabric, you're actually doing tiny little cuts on the bias, which keeps them from uh, fraying away. It's fascinating. You're making these little tiny cuts to keep them from fraying. It's genius. So they're nice. They're not necessary, but they're definitely nice. Uh, these big mamma jammas here, mm -hmm. these are dressmaking shears. They're cutting big fabric. Nice, but not necessary. You only need three really, really necessary. Um, I always recommend a pin cushion wristlet just because you always have your pins ready for you, um, which is real convenient. Um, you are going to need something to mark on your fabric. So Taylor's chalk. This is basically just a piece of chalk that you can sharpen and then you can mark on your fabric and it'll just brush away. Um, I also keep a water-soluble pen so that you can write on your fabric to make marks so that you match pieces of your patterns together. Um, and then I also keep this little rolly thing with the little marking paper. So why is that important? Um, because when you have, let me use this as an example. Remember sleeves? Mm. Do you know there's a right and left sleeve and the front and the back of a sleeve? Yes. So when you cut out that sleeve, there's a clear front and a clear back. And when you cut it out and put the pattern to the, pattern to the side, you can't always tell. No. So you make those little notches so that you can match them up, match all of the pieces also right, right sleeve front. Right now, sleeve. Which is exactly left. what I do with pieces of foam when I'm working on them. That's Same thing. right. That is right. Um, another thing that I always suggest is little fabric weights. So when you are measuring out your fabric on the table and the fabric is swishy and it falls off the table, you get irritated. So you put these little weights on the end, or you can use them to hold your pattern pieces in place they're too. They're little hacky sacks. This is literally all they are. Look, they're so cute. They're just filled with like rice. Um, where's the clips? Clips are fine. They're not necessary. They're nice, but they're not necessary. I prefer them to pens. Oh, you prefer them to pins. Interesting. I mean, certain for, from having sewn a couple of things now, there are, I will admit, a couple of times when I would rather have pins. That's what he's talking about. These are actually, these are really critical when you're working on uh, like leathers or pleathers mm. or where vinyls you holes where in. you just can't punch holes in them, but you want two pieces to stay together. So this is true. These clips are, are really um, indispensable. And we'll put um, the shopping list on our website of all of the items that we have used mm. and swear by um, with how much we paid for them. So if you want the only to, thing you're not going to be able to, to find is the scissors that we mainly use because all oh. of your scissors are Guggenheim because I could get them when they're on offer and they're really good. I'll find a link for them. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention before um, we head out for the um, for the evening is you don't have to have a really, really fancy, snazzy sewing machine. Mm -mm. You don't need a sewing, mach sewing machine with 150 stitches on it. You need just a decent, reasonably hardworking machine with 10 good stitches on it because that's really all you're going to use. If you ever spend time putting little flower stitches in, I'm telling you, you're not going to just, you're not going to do it very often. Um, my first sewing machine was a Husqvarna Viking Emerald 116. It was a mechanical machine. It was not a computerized machine and it was a workhorse and it made thousands and thousands of stitches on cosplay. And it was a wonderful machine. And I think at the time I got it for like $200. They've gone up in price oh, since. $300, I, I'm not sure. They have sales every once in a while, but I, I can't recommend the whole or go in a, line. Or go into the, the Joanne's and see if you can find a second-hand one. Fun fact, you can buy Viking machines uh, second-hand. They have little trade-in sales. You can get them for a deal. That's actually how I've managed to upgrade, upgrade to um, a Viking designer Ruby. I could not afford one at their no. list, their manufactured suggested was it retail $8, price. dollars or something ridiculous, yeah. wasn't it? But yeah, you can trade up to these machines. But I will tell you, if you're just starting out, 
or you are a casual cosplayer, get a basic machine with basic stitches. Do not buy anything crazy. But I will tell you, I have had experience with Viking machines for 15, 20 years. They're just hardworking, solid machines. They're good, good pieces. Um, and so, then, so what do you think is a reasonable price point, though? If you're going to seriously go for it, what is a reasonable price point to pay for a sewing machine that's going to get you something that's hardworking but isn't necessarily every bell and whistle on the planet? In this, in this economy, mm -hmm. uh, 200 to 300 US dollars. Okay. So if you could save it, you know, if you have a little windfall, tax season, whatever it is, I would say 200 to 300 US dollars is probably a good way to start. Now, that's not to say if you can get a, a $50 Singer sewing machine from 1965, get it because they were monster good machines back in the day. Um, get any machine that you can, but if you are in the position to be able to buy what you would consider to be a quality one, do it. Yeah, it's certain tools you get what you pay for. There's there's just there's just no getting away yep. from it. Um I, mean, I, I consider the the minimum entry point for a foam smithing is a is a is a Dremel eight thousand yeah. with a flex shaft attached to it. Right, right. Um, you can try you, something. You can else. get cheaper rotary tools from different places, but they aren't as good, they aren't as reliable, and you can't get them from Lowe's with the insurance plan. That is true. That is true. I'll talk about that as a sneaky treat sometime. There you go. Well, that'll be for a future episode. So um, so anyway, thank you for listening to me rant. I I think that sewing is a hell of a lot of fun. It's so gratifying. You just come out with beautiful, beautiful end results. And, you know, you learn a lot. Um, so, so, yeah, thank you for letting the seamstress go off on her manifesto. Remember always, Bethany, great point. Make sure that your machines are serviced. Make sure that they are checked on periodically and they will last you Vacuum out where the bobbin goes. Always clean out around your bobbin. Do not let it build bobbins up. Bobbins are assholes. Nobody likes them. Bobbins are assholes, but we need them so much. Uh, uh, you need to talk about it next week. Oh, so next week, we do not know what our topic is going to be, but if you have any suggestions, please send them to us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, um, wherever your live streams are sold. Um, but I'm actually going to be in Seattle, Washington next Sunday. And Fred is going to be here in Jacksonville, Florida. So we are going to try to do a transcontinental podcast. Ooh, we'll see how this goes. So um, it's either going to work or it's definitely going to not work. Uh, but we're going to worst give case it scenario or just be you because I can't get it to work because I'm useless. Oh, I think you'll be fine. You, you're teachable. You're a teachable guy. Um, and I think you're great. Thank you for respecting my trade. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. So um, everyone have a great night and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.